0: Greetings. This is Dr. Christopher Harris, the Dean of the Coleman College of Business at the University of Pipel. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast, Bear Business. On this podcast, you'll hear from faculty members, students, and community leaders, all with the same goal of growing the economy in Eastern Kentucky through both education and entrepreneurship. Let's get to it. Well, here we are. We're the second season of Bear Business. We have on the show today one of our new faculty members, one of our three new Ph.D. faculty members, Dr. Eric Vitato, who I believe would rather go by Dr. V. I don't know that that's true, but you you know, I get called lots of stuff around here. So Dr.
1: Dean, Chris, nicknames, Dr. V. Dr. V. Simplifies. It works for me.
0: All right, sounds good. So let's let's start off. Um, I like to start everyone off. So I've started off before with um, favorite band, favorite dessert, favorite car. Um, of course, I'm a sneaker guy. Do you happen to have a favorite pair of shoes?
1: I do not have a favorite pair of shoes, but currently I've been wearing a pair of uh, Sperry deck shoes that are just super comfortable. So uh, I'm all about the comfort when it comes to shoes.
0: Um, so on this podcast, and, and hopefully it grows a lot more this year as, as we get more people, we have students, faculty members, people from the community on, just to kind of let the community and current students and future students know what we've got going on. So you just hired in.
1: Um, you're you're kind of a local local guy, right? So where are you from? Hey si, across the mountain. I, I live 45 minutes, uh, which will be shortened down a little bit when they get the bypass completed at Elkhorn. Uh, born and raised, Hey si, entire life.
0: Now, one of the really cool things about you is tell us about the job that kind of started your academic journey, because I know that it won't be anything anybody thinks it
1: is. Well, shortly after I graduated high school, uh, I needed a job, place to go, uh, something to do. So, uh, they had just opened a local prison, a brand new super maximum security prison in Pound, Virginia. So it was close enough to drive. Uh, they were actually bringing all the training resources to Pound, so you didn't even have to go to the academy, which is standard. Uh, previously, you had to go to Richmond for you know a stretch to uh, get trained to work in a prison. So they made it very convenient to get a job in the prison. So I thought, hey, I'll try that. So you worked. How long did you work in the prison? Four and a half years. Worked every shift: uh, day shift, evening shift, night shift, uh, eight-hour shifts, twelve-hour shifts. Just just rotating around, working a little bit here and a little bit there. What did you do? Uh, I worked primarily in the control rooms because when they opened the the prison up, it had a, a control room that's called master control. It had like thirty thousand different buttons to do this and do that. So. In the beginning, I helped them line that out. That included, uh, you know, issuing keys and and, and a bunch of stuff. Uh, then I transitioned into the building, worked in that control room because each building had two control rooms. And then I transitioned down to the floor, working on the floor with the with the inmates. So a little bit of everything.
0: There's two, two funny stories that have happened. and One, you told us, and one happened to me. So I was talking about people we were hiring, and I told – somebody, we hired a guy that works in a prison and they thought that I said, we hired a guy that was in prison. And so that was a very inter- interesting conversation, but you were at Olive Garden one time, right?
1: Was it Olive Garden? Yes. I was at Olive Garden with my, with my uncle or my wife's uncle. And, uh, I had never actually been to Olive Garden 23 years ago, 24 years ago. And I'm at one end of this long table and he's at the other end of the long table and he's just this loud guy. And so he kind of yells across the table, uh, how's the food man i kind of yelled back without thinking it's better than prison food and uh, the looks it was just one of those things you know the looks on the faces of the people around you would have thought i had just escaped prison i mean they they quietly finished their meals and got up. kind of a <laughs> funny situation but you know hindsight been twenty-twenty, i probably shouldn't have yelled that across the table because it did look like i just got out of prison
0: so that's that. One of the things that you told me is that kind of led you to where you are today in a roundabout sort of way,
1: right? It, it absolutely led me where I'm at today because when you work in a prison every day, it's just such a negative environment because what's supposed to be is prison. But you're, you're locking people up, and you, you learn quickly that most of the people that are locked up don't have a lot of education. So they didn't have a, somewhere along the line, either they felt themselves, the system felt. Somewhere there was a gap in what it took for them to get educated. And, you know, probably played a role in the percentage of them getting there. And I did not want to be a part of that solution. I wanted to actually go back and try to be a part of a different solution before people got to that level. So I went into education.
0: Now, your trek was very nontraditional, right? It's pretty impressive. Can you talk a little bit about how you got from
1: point A to point B? Well, I worked at the prison for four and a half years, and when I realized I did not want to be there, um, I decided I need to go back to school. So I actually gathered as many funds as I could possibly gather uh, to be able to afford to go to college for two years. So I had two years worth of funds to, uh, to put a four-year degree. So I had to actually end up going to University of Virginia College at Wise, which was a local university, and I took 18 credits on campus. At that time, which was the max they would allow me to take. Well, I needed some extra credits, so I went to two separate community colleges and got three credits each. piece. Uh, so I ended up 24 credits per semester, and when it was down the back end, I dumped the community college credits back into the degree, which worked. So I could actually finish the uh, four-year degree in two years.
0: You got a four-year degree in two years because you went to three different colleges at the same time.
1: Yes. That's really <laughs> impressive. <laughs> now. Okay, so that got you your undergrad, right? Yeah, I'm right out of, uh, after I finished my undergrad, I actually, I finished my undergrad in, May. no, I finished it in December, but I couldn't graduate until May. So my my degree did not confer until May. And so I actually could not get a job because of the teaching hiring cycle and stuff. They start hiring in April, May, for the August of the next year. So I'm in December, so I'm kind of like in limbo land. I finished my degree, but I needed a job. So the first job that I was able to actually get with major education degree was in a Head Start classroom uh, in Appalachia, Virginia. Uh, I worked in a Head Start classroom for about two months with uh, three and four year olds. So I went from the super maximum security prison to teaching three and four year olds. That was kind of kind of unique. And then I was notified after I'd been in the uh, at Head Start a couple months that the local school system had an opening for a long term sub. Because someone was leaving a maternity leave, so I actually transitioned from the Head Start classroom to a long term sub. So I taught third grade for the next two months, and that took me to summer break. And over that summer, I got hired into the actual public school system into a pre K through seven computer lab.
0: Now, where did so your undergraduate degree was in education, and then you got an MBA, right? I got
1: an undergraduate education, and then I started uh, working in elementary education. And during that process, I got into coaching soccer, and I bought the equipment to make my own soccer uniforms because I wanted the student or the kids to be able to have an access to play. And it was just so expensive to buy individual jerseys if a student just wanted to pick up and play. So I bought the equipment to actually make the jerseys, so it would actually lower the cost for the students. Then I transitioned that into a business where I was making shirts. Sure a lot of shirts and that interest in business, coupled with a a past mentor I had who ran a business, uh, told me that I needed to go down the the business path. So I started my MBA. And, and then you got your PhD. You finished that fairly recently, right? I finished it in November
0: 2021.
1: Okay. And it is in business with an emphasis in marketing? It is in general business with an emphasis in marketing.
0: And so now here we are at the Coleman College of Business trying to do some pretty cool stuff. And we have some T-shirt um, machinery. I don't know if that's the best term, but we're turning the boardroom into a classroom with a experiential learning component. And then I, our goal, and, and since this is your baby, I'm not going to say too much about it, but our goal is to have a a student-run organization that makes the T-shirts for the university. At the beginning, I know you have a lot bigger plans than that, but but at the beginning to make that. So tell us a little bit about what your vision is, and and what it looks like, and and then we can talk about the voting that's going on right now too.
1: Okay, my my vision for it is to actually grow it into a full-fledged business that is ran with every aspect of students. I mean, the students are involved in every aspect of it. So they're actually understanding the finance side of it, understanding the design side of it, and understanding the marketing side of it. They're understanding the, you know, uh, all aspects of the business. And it actually turned into a self-supportive company. So it's actually generating a product. The materials we buy and trying to pay back for the machinery that we acquire. But eventually I would like to actually be able to generate enough of a profit that if it was a full functioning business with a labor force, that it could take care of itself. That was, that would be the end goal. And that would give the students a real learning experience in the final class they had at the Coleman College of Business. That's the end goal. Now, the beginning goals is we have to actually start slow. So we make sure we do it right. And so currently, you know, we're in the process of uh, allowing students to have some input on naming the business, because we have to start with a name, once the name is decided, which should be hopefully tomorrow, uh, then we'll move into, you know, defining the purpose of the business, and currently the students are working on who they feel the target customer should be uh, in the business, so getting student input on on the process as we go, and, you know, the students are actually really, really doing a good job with everything that you're doing, like, I had a student yesterday Submit so a discussion forum about the central target customer, and they laid out just just how profitable it could be just selling stuff to the college, and it was a fairly well developed thought. I mean, uh, so it, it, it's growing, but it's got to be slow because it has to be done right. When it's done, it needs to be this is this is perfect for what we're doing. This is one of the things that we're really trying
0: to do is give students experiences while they're here and. So they leave with a degree and a resume. I think that's our goal. And I'm sure you would
1: agree with that. That's what we all God, do. I absolutely agree with that.
0: How we can do that. And this is a big deal. Um, if, we, if we can pull this together and do it, do it right. It's a really big deal for the long term of the Coleman College of Business and students. But the cool thing about the students that are here now is they can lay the foundation for that and always say they were here when it started.
1: Yeah. That's what I was kind of explaining to him with the naming situation. You know, think about it. You come back to a 20 year reunion and the the business is coming along and you can think, Hey, I chose that name. That's, that's a pretty cool thing. So that's where we're at. Um, Uh, but (laughs) I I have to back up a second. Uh, we're going to be successful. um, We're we're, we're going to make it happen. I mean, uh, it's going to work. I agree. I agree. We will, we'll
0: get this. It'd be cool. Super cool. Um, Anything else that's really interesting? I don't know how you beat what you've already said, unless you tell us about when you redid
1: your roof. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I, I can take a minute to, to talk about just the whole process. I mean, uh, You know, when I was uh, right around the time I actually started at the prison, I developed the concept in my head that I wanted to actually build a house uh, with no actual experience building a house. Uh, just the thought process that I can go to Lowe's and get some self-help books because it was before you know, the era of YouTube. So uh, go to Lowe's, get some self-help books, and uh, I can do this. So I was able to actually convince my wife and the bank to loan me the money to build a house, uh, which was actually difficult to convince uh, the bank to do it because normally you have to have a construction uh, a contractor's license to do it so they protect their funds. Well, I convinced them, and they gave me nine months to build it. So I had nine months while working full-time to build a house. Uh, ended up getting that fixed the finished to the point that we moved in at the nine month point. So it it was all good. I still had finishing work, but we finished that. And then over the next three or four years, we finished all that needed to be finished with that uh, version of the house. And I decided I'd like to actually do something a little bigger and a little different. So uh, over summer break, I I concocted the plan that I was gonna take a saws on, cut the roof uh, four feet at a time and replace it with much larger roof. So I'd actually be able to gain some upstairs space uh, I had from May 31st until I went back to school August 8th to actually get the roof completely cut off and completely put back on because if uh, if I failed this endeavor, I was out of time. And I actually was able to get it done in that time period. Uh, the only problem that I had in that process was I had probably eight feet of the roof off and open, and I was—I mean, I would check the forecast every day, um, the weekly forecast, daily, hourly. And a storm blew in and I had no clue it was coming because it did not show up on the radar. So I had one instance that uh, I actually was caught with my roof open and a downpour occurred. So I had to actually repair that damage. Uh, But that was the only hiccup during the whole process. Uh, I was able to actually put it all together and it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out.
0: All right. Last one you got to tell us about your dog i enjoy hearing the stories about your dog and so there's you know one is the rocky song and then the one he likes to fight snakes right
1: uh yeah so i've got a dog his name's sam uh sam suffers from a little bit of a weight problem because uh he'd previously been kind of lazy put him on diet that didn't help so uh we decided we want to put him on the exercise uh, regimen so i told my wife and son that uh, i was going to uh work to get him trained that every time he hears the the Rocky theme song that he goes completely nuts to uh, go for a walk. He understands it's time to go for a walk because he does like to go for a walk. Uh, So now every time the Rocky theme song plays, he goes completely nuts because it's time to go for a walk. Uh, and I've been actually messing with him lately because I've got my house wired with Google speakers in different rooms. So like two in one, in each bedroom, one in the kitchen, one in the, the living room. So now I'll actually play the song on the different speaker in a, in, in a different room and he will run to that speaker, realize, Oh wait, that's the song that's playing there. And then run back to the living room and be excited to go for a walk. But, uh, the funny thing is the, uh, First day, I really had him trained. I knew that he, he was actually doing what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, we take him for a walk, and on the way back, we always release him. Our driveway 600 feet from top to bottom. Release him at the top, and we walk back on his own because uh, he likes to, to walk back, and you know, he's so dead tired by that time, he's not going to do anything. So we're walking down the driveway, and he cuts down the bank because he likes to take shortcut. He cuts down the bank, and my wife's like, why is he not coming? And we turn around and look, and she's like, there's something over there. And all of a sudden, you see a snake just jump up and bite him in the face. I mean, and then that triggered a war. So uh, instead of him, like, leaving the snake alone, that triggers him to actually, you know, bite back. Uh, in the end, he ends up with the snake in his mouth, carrying it across the yard. Snake's not dead, but, you know, he's, he's shown the snake, you know, this is my house, uh, my yard. I'm going to do what I want. Uh, I was able to actually get him away from the snake. I was able to kill the snake for him. He ended up getting bit either five or seven times. There's two other that, that could be, but uh, he has a, he now has a scar on the side of his face. It's white, which is kind of cool, from his snake bite. So, uh, I trained to be Rocky, uh, to think that he's Rocky. And so, uh, after that, he decided he wanted to start fighting. So, his first fight was against Copperhead. <laughs> red He won. He won, though. So, that's all that matters. Well, hey,
0: Dr. V, I appreciate it, man. It's great
1: to have you here at CCOV, and and the future's pretty bright, so. Yeah, it is. I'm ecstatic to be here. I, I am happy every day when I come into work. It's a, a great place to be. It's a great environment to be in. The students are great. The, the faculty is great. The rest of the university is great. Um, uh, no matter where you go and who you speak with, it's always the same type of interaction. You, you walk away thinking, Man, that person was really nice. And that's just a great place to be able to come to every day.
0: Well, thank you, sir. I I think,
1: thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks, Eric. So we'll talk to you later. Thank
0: you for listening to Bear Business, the podcast for the Coleman College of Business at the University of Pikeville. We would love to get in contact with you please feel free to contact me personally, chrisharris at upike.edu. That's chrisharris at upike.edu. We'd love to talk to you about being a student or a community partner. Let's grow together.